We're going to hear one more story today from the Elijah cycle in 1 Kings. And so we are turning to chapter 18, and we're going to begin reading at verse 20. But just to give a little bit of context before we begin reading, um, last week we heard that um, through Elijah, God had declared um, a drought in Israel um, because of God's displeasure with King Ahab and his ways of doing things. It is Ahab who brought Baal worship officially to Israel and um, began to set up many shrines to that pagan god. And so there had been a drought for three years. And so after three years, um, God tells Elijah that he is going to end the drought. And so Elijah lets King Ahab know. And um, so there's this little discussion about who is really the God of the universe. Is it Baal or is it the God of Israel? And so um, Elijah tells Ahab to gather on Mount Carmel with all of the Baal prophets and they're going to have a little bit of a showdown. So it is high noon on Mount Carmel, and so we are reading at verse 20. Listen for the word of God. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it to pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, and no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, come closer to me. 
and all the people came closer to him. First, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. And then he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And again, he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time so that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So there is a lot of humor in this story that actually when um, it's translated into English, is lost. Um, there's a story I could, I could tell for you from when I was in seminary. Um, reading this text out loud in Hebrew, sounding like a kindergartner learning how to read, actually, uh, in Hebrew, um, and struggling with some of the translation of it um, and realizing really what the writer of this story um, was after both some profound truths, but also just some good Hebrew humor. So, I hope you have the picture in your mind. On Mount Carmel, we've got Elijah, all alone, the only prophet of the Lord of Israel left. And then on the other side, we've got 450 prophets of Baal, and the people of Israel who were gathered around and two altars. One prepared by the prophets of Baal and then the other prepared by the prophet Elijah. And we get some pretty interesting imagery about what the rituals of the prophets of Baal are like. So when they begin to call on their God and there is no answer, then they begin their ritual dancing. The text calls it limping. And I wish I knew exactly what that looked like. 
But there's a play on words in the text that as the prophets of Baal begin doing their ritual dance around the altar, becoming more and more frenetic, trying to get their God to answer, Elijah just can't resist. Hey, maybe your God's meditating. Maybe that's why he's not responding to you. Maybe he's wandered off, which is a euphemism for another word, which is where some of the humor is. Maybe he's on vacation. So you get this prophet of Israel who just can't help taunting this people. And then comes the question to the people of Israel as this Ritual continues to go on before them with the prophets of Baal even producing blades and cutting themselves, offering their own blood on the altar to try to get Baal to answer. And Elijah looks at the people of Israel and says, how long are you going to go on limping with two opinions? In other words, how much longer are you going to keep hedging your bets? Say, yeah, God of Israel, yeah, yeah, we can do that. But this Baal stuff, you know, maybe it really makes the crops be a little more fertile. Because Baal is the god of storms, the cloud runner in some mythology in the Middle East. And so the people of Israel, in their, in their quest for security, they pay a little homage to the God of Israel, and then they go to the Baal shrines and make their sacrifices there just to make sure they've got all their bases covered. And Elijah exposes them and says, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to keep hedging your bets, living your lives in a rather duplicitous manner, how much longer are you going to keep this self-deception going on? And then, of course, as the day begins to draw toward the end, when it's the time of the late afternoon and evening offerings, then Elijah calls on God, and God shows up. Now, when I teach this story in, in Bible study, I tend to kind of hang with the humor of it. But there's also a word of judgment that's in this and also a word of comfort. Imagine yourself in the company of the people of Israel. Seeking to live your life in as secure and peaceful a manner as possible, especially when times are tumultuous. Perhaps, along with the people of Israel, we might wonder, is God going to show up? As they stand there as the day goes on, and Baal is not 
showing up, obviously. And then when Elijah begins to call on God, that pregnant pause of, is God going to answer? And we find that we stand with the people of Israel in our day in and day out lives. Some of us from time to time wondering, is God going to show up? Is God going to hear me? Is God going to respond? Think about the times in our lives when in the midst of wondering if God is going to show up, we take steps and arrange our lives in such a way to provide ourselves the peace and the security that we are seeking. And that can happen in any number of ways. Driving to the church this morning um, on NPR, there was a story of three young adults all of whom have graduated from college and are dealing with debt of some form or other, student loan debt, or one of them had just bought a house and a mortgage. And they were talking about how hard it is to imagine life without the encumbrances that they already have as young adults. One of them had about $85,000 in student loan debt. And he could not imagine what life would be like without that debt. And so his question, they had a financial advisor on there, and his question to the financial advisor was, well, I should just keep, after I pay my expenses, I should just keep putting 100% of my disposable income into paying off the debt, right? These questions are very important questions. It is wise to seek to live our lives in in a respectable manner, to handle our finances in, in a respectable manner, but at the same time, as people of God, we are called to trust that God is going to show up. We are called as people of God to know that how things exist now and how things look now is not how God ultimately wants the world to be. And so we stand with the people of Israel And it may look something like this. One commentator puts it this way. Inevitably, idolatry, because that is what we're talking about here, lures believers. Our tendency to cling to sources of security that are not God leaves us looking by turns ridiculous and pathetic. Ouch. The biting irony of the Elijah story requires candor about this. 
We frantically dance to appease powers that are not real. We try to ensure prosperity through things that cannot respond to us. We look for hope in things that cannot truly transform our lives. When we fail to recognize God as the source of our rest and our peace, we live our lives chaotically on the edge of desperation, along with all those Israelites. Seeking the holy and profane places, we go limping through life with two different opinions, as ludicrous as the hopping prophets of Baal. We call on God. And because we are human, of course, we wonder, is God going to show up? And the word that we have from this story in Elijah is that, yes, God shows up. Always. My friends, this is not a story about those people out there. And those people of other religions and how God is going to do something about about them. This is a story about us. This is a story about our struggle with truly trusting that God is indeed our peace. And that it is in God where we find rest. But the promise is that, yes, my friends, God will show up. Amen.